My dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're less than a month now away from the uh, midterm elections, which means that we are just over a month away from the 2024 campaign season. Get out your popcorn. Yay. Now, I know elections are important. They are critical for a functioning democracy. I'm not convinced that campaigns are of the same import. They are something else altogether. I found myself this last Monday evening uh, overnighting in Gillette, Wyoming. The funeral for my friend was on Tuesday. So I came, went over there on Monday night, and as I was tuning into the uh, evening news there at the hotel, I discovered that all of the news channels at that particular hotel were coming out of Denver. Be grateful that you do not live in Denver, Colorado right now, because I swear every single ad was a political ad. There was nothing else. And of course, there was, you know, the first ad telling me how this person was the devil incarnate, and then next would come on the opposing ad saying how this person wanted to burn down democracy. And on and on it went, right? Um, it actually made me wistful for coming home and seeing a few of those good old pharmaceutical commercials in between the, <laughs> you know, the news that we... Now, most of us, by this time, we got a pretty good idea of the circles we're going to fill in when we step into that voting booth in just a few weeks. But when this season is mercifully over on November 8th, and I find myself standing in that booth, filling in my little circles, there is always one part of the ballot that I hesitate over. And I have to think about it, and I'm not even sure what I'm going to do with it. I wonder if it's the same with you. It's the section for circuit county judges. <laughs> now, the reason for that is, most of the time, those running for office as, you know, for a judicial seat are not lambasting us with campaign ads, right? For the last six months, 12 months, whatever. Um, maybe you see a sign on the road. That's, that's about it. Maybe you'll recognize a name. And more to the point, um, perhaps more than any other thing on that ballot, those holding themselves up for a judicial seat ought to be the least partisan of any office that is elected, right? Because a ju judicial person, you know, one who's going to sit on a judge's bench ought to be an impartial, impassionate interpreter of the law, right? To apply the law. Hmm. But we're suspicious people, right? And those who run for office are human beings. And so instead of getting a jurist capable of interpreting and applying the law fairly, we worry. Is that person going to be an activist judge? Bum, bum, bum. Activist judge, right? The phrase alone, activist judge, stirs up all sorts of politically charged emotions, right? Just mentioning that phrase and mixed political company is liven, uh, likely to liven up a conversation mighty fast, right? Judicial activism. Look no further than the recent rulings coming out of the U.S. Supreme Court during the 21-22 session. If you doubt me, just wait until the current docket before the court starts issuing opinions early this next summer. 
And all those discussions about judicial activism will come to bear. What does that mean, activist judge? The term is slippery. Depends on who you are, right? So I went to the internet, the source of all wisdom. <laughs> Sometimes it's actually not bad. Sometimes you can find what you're looking for. Anyway, I, I did find an article on LegalZoom that kind of talked a little bit about judicial activism, and it was helpful. It said, uh, it asked the question, should the average citizen be concerned about judicial activism or are politicians making a big fuss out of nothing? What the heck is an activist judge? Anyway, well, not surprisingly, politicians debate the very definition of the term. According to judicial analyst and former Superior Court Judge Andrew Napolitano, he says, there is no such thing as an activist judge. An activist judge is one whose ruling you disagree with. <laughs> I've never found a better definition of activist judge. Because when it comes right down to it, we define an activist judge as someone who we perceive to be ruling, not based on a cold, hard definition of the law, but one who lets their own personal biases into the process. Correct? That'd be a, that'd be a good definition. And if that indeed is a good definition, a judge who lets their own personal biases come to bear more than the letter of the law, what we have in this little story that Jesus told in the 18th chapter of Luke the quintessential definition of an activist judge. Hmm? In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had any respect for public opinion. Now, that sounds perfect. That's what we're looking for in a judge. One who is not swayed by religious argument, nor are they open to political pressure. They're just simply coldly interpreting the letter of the law. Right. So far, he sounds like a just judge. Maybe to a fault. Huh? In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him saying, grant me justice against my opponent. And for a time, he refused. Of course he did. Like any self-respecting judge of his era. Because in that day and age, widows were about as disenfranchised a group legally as you could possibly get. Hmm? In all likelihood, she had absolutely no legal legs to stand on in front of that judge. She was a three-time loser. She had no husband, right? Which means she had no social standing, which means she had no standing before the law in terms of that judge. Easy for him. Get out of my courtroom. Next case. But then something absurdly unjudicial happens, right? Our letter of the law no respecting of person's judge, says to himself after a while, because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her what she wants so she won't keep wearing me out. I can finally get this off my docket. Now that, my friends, would seem to me to be the move of an activist judge, one who disregards the law in favor of his own aims, even if his own aims were nothing more noble than some peace and quiet in his courtroom. If you have children, if you've ever had children in your home, you have been an activist judge. I guarantee it, right? Somewhere along the line, you have suspended the laws of your household and gone against every single thing you know in your heart is fair and just, just to placate some screaming little maniac crying out 
for justice. You hear that plaintive cry long enough, it's not fail, it's not fail, it's not, and pretty soon you find yourself redistributing the dessert or allowing 15 more minutes of cartoons before bed or whatever it might be. But if you find yourself doing this, suspending the letter of the law in your household, if only to get a moment's peace, know that in those moments of your domestic judicial activism, you are close to the heart of God. You are in good company. Now, I've heard it over and over again with regard to this parable. I've read it many times in many of my commentaries that you need to be careful about equating the judge in this story with the person of God. God stands in stark contrast to this activist, self-serving judge I've read. Well, I would respectfully disagree with all of my heart. Because isn't God that we meet in Jesus, after all, the ultimate activist judge? The consummate unjust judge who suspends the law with all of its condemning force and finally and forever chooses to stop litigating my worthiness, your worthiness. Isn't our God the, the father who throws himself on the neck of his prodigal, wayward son and welcomes him home with a party he couldn't have earned or deserved in a million years? Isn't our God like that shepherd who, abandoning all common sense, leaves the 99 in the wilderness to go traipsing after the one who was too silly, too stupid to stay in the flock? Isn't our God like that woman who turns the whole house upside down to find that coin that couldn't have gotten itself found in a million years? Yes. Yes to absolutely all of that. Now, why God chooses to suspend divine justice and common sense in favor of uncommon mercy and uncommon compassion is pure mystery to me. It makes not one lick of sense according to the law that God has given. But that is the verdict, you know, that was handed down from the cross when Jesus took upon himself the just sentence that was meant for a world full of commandment breakers like us. I thank God that God is not just just. God is so much more than just, so much more than fair. Paul writes, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation because there's no condemner. There's no hanging judge. There's no angry God. There is quite simply the God who forgives the unforgivable, who justifies the unrighteous. The God who brings home the lost and raises the dead the God who gives us our life back. Thanks be to God. Amen.